You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Well, good morning. We are on episode number four of Living a Resurrected Life, and I'm going to go ahead and jump right in with prayer. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for this next episode in this series, Living a Resurrected Life. And I thank you that this is a series that is on your heart because it is time. It is time for us to experience the fullness of what it means to be co-identified with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that it is we no longer live. Just like the Apostle Paul said, we are crucified with Christ. And although we live, nevertheless, we live, but it's not us. It's Christ in us. And Father, it is your heart for us to fully grasp, to fully comprehend that reality right now, to step into the fullness of our co-crucifixion and our co-burial and our co-resurrection and our co-ascension with Jesus and to sit down in heavenly places with Jesus right now where all things are under his feet, far above powers and principalities and rulers of darkness and anything in this natural world. Thank you that our crucifixion with Jesus has severed our ties to this life and our true life is now hidden in him. So Father, enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Holy Spirit, cause us to know the hope of our calling. Grant unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Son, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, so that we can see him as he is, so that we can truly show up in the world every single every single day uh, hidden inside of him, because as he is, so are we in this world. Father, thank you for the awesome privilege of teaching today, of preaching the gospel, and I just thank you that this is a message chock full of revelation for every person listening today. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is talking while I'm talking and making this message personal and relevant to every single listener. We give you praise. We give you glory in advance. And we thank you so much for what you're doing through this broadcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, awesome, guys. If you have been following along in this series uh, you know that this has been power packed with revelation and today is going to be no different. We're going to continue to deep dive into Philippians chapter three, which is really a, a journey that we're taking with the apostle Paul to see him throw away really his natural identity, to count it as all dung, to count it as all uh, trash, as refuse when compared to the excellency of knowing Jesus, of experiencing Jesus, of gnoscoing, we've been talking about, that Greek word that means to know, to experientially know Jesus and to come into a the, the, a revelation, a revolutionary revelation of the power of Jesus's resurrection. And we've been chatting over the course of these episodes about how interesting it is that a lot of times we only hear messages about the resurrection of Jesus around Easter time, when honestly, this is the central message of the gospel that we have been born again. We have, we have come back from the dead. We have been made alive in Christ and we are new creations. We are new creatures recreated in Christ. It says in Ephesians 2.10 for good works, for supernatural works as we partake of his divine nature and settle into the reality that we too have been crucified with him and that it truly is us that is no longer living. You know, the only thing left to do after we receive Jesus is what Roman 2, Romans 12, 2 describes as mind renewal. You know, the rest of our lives as Christians is waking up and coming into agreement with what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us personally so that we can live out of our true identity, out of our new identity, which in Ephesians chapter one, the father says that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and to be blameless in his sight. So we have a righteousness now that is not our own because we are one with Jesus. We have now been made righteous. We've received the gift of righteousness, which is Jesus's perfect righteousness. And now 
Sin is no longer our master. Jesus Christ is our master and we can live out of a new nature. We can live out of his nature. We can abide in the vine and see the fruit of the spirit produced through us, through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so as an introduction today, it's good just to kind of go back and, and review what the gospel is. It's the message of our death. It's the message of our burial. It's the message of our resurrection and our, our ascension. And you guys, this is a spiritual reality. This is not something that we can, you know, discern with our physical senses. Living by faith means that we, we are connected to an unseen reality. We're connected to the kingdom of God that is within us right now. And we are living out of the unseen truth and reality that we are one with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, I want to hop back into Philippians chapter 3. I've been teaching out of the Amplified Version because I just love the way it amplifies uh, some of the, the Greek words in Philippians chapter 3. And again, if you have been following along, you know I've been encouraging you guys to go and read Philippians chapter 3 in the Amplified Classic Version and to really grasp what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Okay, in the last episode, I really backed up and I, I started, we've been, well, let me bet, let me say this first. We've been really majoring on Philippians uh, chapter 10 and chapter 11 and it, it, throughout this whole series. And last episode, I went back to the first verses and I kind of brought us to the place that culminates with the Apostle Paul in uh, verse 10 and verse 11 telling us that his determined purpose on the planet, his, his determined purpose is to know Christ, is to experience Christ, to, to gnosko Christ, and to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, to intimately experience Jesus as the resurrected king, and to understand what that means for him. That his determined purpose was to so co-identify with Jesus on the cross and the sufferings that he experienced, so that in the same way he could come into a revelation of what it means to live inside the resurrected king, to live a resurrected life. It says while he's still in the body. And so today I want to move on a little bit and I want to move into um, really verse 11, verse 12 and the remaining verses in Philippians chapter 3 because this is a story that the Apostle Paul is telling here in chapter 3. And just as a refresher, remember in verses one through nine, the apostle Paul is, is reminding, uh, the Philippians that it's not, it, it's not troublesome for him to continue to, to speak these things to them. And then he reminds them that where true life is found is in our identity with Christ. And he, he talks about the process of losing his natural identity. He talks about he had a lot of reasons that he could have boasted about, uh, regarding who he is in the natural. He was a, uh, a an Israelite. He was born into the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. He was, according to the law, you know, possessed righteousness. He was a persecutor of the church when he, because he operated in such zeal as a Pharisee. But then he, he switches gears and says, but I consider all of that. I consider all of my natural pedigree to be trash when compared to knowing Jesus, when compared to, to the excellency of, of, of who he is and what he's done and what that means for me. And so, you know, in our current times, I mean, we, we are not Pharisees. Well, maybe we're closet Pharisees, but we're not actual Pharisees. We're not going to Jewish, um, you know, uh, education. We're not going through the Jewish school scholar system, but we can very much put our trust and who we are in the natural. You know, we can look to our, our family of origin, or we can look to our education or our career or, you know, our, uh, the, the letters behind our name and we can say, this is who I am, right? We can look to where we live. We can, we can just identify with all of these natural attributes that we're, we've grown up with, uh, being taught that that's who we are. But like the apostle Paul, none of those things actually define us. Your definition is Jesus Christ. Your definition is, uh, who you are in Christ. And truthfully, for all of us, 
Who we are in the natural is trash, is refuse when compared to the glory that is inside of us and the, the excellency and the supreme advantage, it says in the Amplified Version, of knowing Jesus. And so I'm going to start just reading today in that scripture in verse 8, um, where it, the last part of verse 8 where it says, For his sake I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, meaning I have lost every ounce of my natural identity and I consider it to be trash, to be rubbish, in order that I may win, gain Christ. And verse nine, it says, and that I may actually be found and known as in him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own. Okay, in the last episode, we talked about this, this gift of righteousness and how righteousness is, a, is the foundation of the, uh, of our new identity in Christ. And in Hebrews chapter five, uh, the, the, the writer goes as far to say is that, that those who are unskilled in the word of righteousness are in need of milk and are not ready for meat. And so we chatted a little bit last week about why is it so important that we lose our natural identity and we get off of the system of performance and self-righteousness, right? There's only two kinds of righteousness here, right? There is self-righteousness, which performs to be good, performs to be right and to be in right standing with God and to have self-esteem and to have worth. It's based upon something that self can achieve apart from Christ. It's called a self-righteousness or a self-goodness. And that is really what the Pharisees were steeped in. They, they looked to the law. They looked to uh, following regulations. And, and that was the system by which they obtained righteousness. Now, that was never really God's intent. Faith has always been God's intent. In fact, he calls Abraham righteous because he believed God. And, and Abraham is the father of faith. But this self-righteousness is a sneaky thing because it, it, first of all, is a system that is operating out of an identity that is separate from God. It is separate from Jesus. And I'll tell you what, it is toil. It is exhausting. It causes guilt. It causes shame. It causes condemnation because the strength of sin lies in the law. It lies in this legalistic performance-based system to be good enough, to be right enough. It, 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 its origin is in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where we are evaluating ourselves on a system or judgment of personal judgment or even external judgment of what is good and what is bad, of what is good and what is evil. And that whole system has been swallowed up in Christ on the cross. And why? So that we could receive the gift of God's righteousness. And the righteousness of God is a gift, okay? In Romans chapter five, it says, those who receive an abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness shall reign as kings in life, shall reign in life as kings, right? And so the gift of righteousness is something that is ours in Christ. When we were born again, we were placed inside of Christ. We were baptized into Jesus. That is why water baptism or, or baptism exists. It's because it is a prophetic act. It is a external act that we do in the natural that symbolizes what has happened to us in the spirit realm. Right. And so this righteousness that we have see, received is the very nature of God. And so when the Apostle Paul says that he's lost his natural identity, he's lost who he is in, uh, you know, based upon his family lineage, based upon his own achievements and based upon his religious activity, he counts all of that trash. It says, why? So that I can be found and known in him, in who? In Jesus not having any self-achieved righteousness that I can call my own based on my obedience to the law's demands, right? But possessing genuine righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ, the truly right standing with God that comes from God by saving faith. And what I want to really point out here is we, as I keep teaching on this, I didn't want to leave this topic of righteousness until I really, really made this clear. 
You know, we are righteous because we are in Christ. Because of our union with Jesus, we have inherited his righteousness. He and you, he and I, me and you, we are one. We are one in Christ. We, in Acts, it says we live and we move and we have our being inside of God. Our lives, it says in Colossians 3, are hidden inside of Jesus. We are his temple. We are his body. We are his bride. And we are one with him. And so this righteous state that we exist in is a perpetual state that we have not achieved because we were good apart from Christ, independent from Christ, or we did righteous acts or did good deeds apart from Jesus. That is self-righteousness. No, our righteousness is found in him, which is where we we are found. We are found inside of him. And so as the Apostle Paul gets his head around this, see, this is the righteousness of faith. This is why uh, it tells us in Romans that we were saved by grace through faith. Right, The faith is the act of believing. It's the act of receiving the righteousness of God through the cross and through what Jesus has accomplished. And so in verse 9, really, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Then he goes into verse 10. Then he goes into verse 11, which is talking about how his determined purpose is now to experience Jesus. It's to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Right now, I want to move on now to verse number 12. And I really want to spend a little bit of time on this because here's what he says. He says, not that I have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold, to grasp and make my own that for which Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus has laid a hold of me and made me his own. So what he's saying is, I have not obtained to this ideal yet, meaning I have not fully manifested my union with Jesus. I have not come to this place of experiencing a resurrected life while I'm still in the body. I've not fully obtained this yet. My mind has not been renewed to this reality fully yet. I have not grasped it. I've not made it my own fully yet. He says, but this is what I'm doing. I'm pressing in, meaning I am, this is my determined purpose. And man, I have got my eye on the prize. I am pushing in. I am laboring to enter into rest so that I can lay hold of, so that I can get it, so that I can grasp the very thing which caused Jesus to grasp me. See, I want to get what Jesus has done in me. He has laid hold of me, the Apostle Paul saying. Jesus has grasped me. He has called me his own. He has made me his own, and I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. In verse 13, he says, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, meaning this is not fully my own revelation yet. Here's the one thing I do, though. Here's what he says. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. My goodness, my one aspiration is to forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. And you guys, this has been a much abused scripture in the body of Christ, because what he's saying here, when he's saying that he is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, is he's not saying, I'm just denying what lies behind. I'm just not going to think about what lies behind. This forgetting that the Apostle Paul is on, it is a mind renewal project to forget his natural identity. It is to forget his past. It is to fully identify. I say it this way. I say to subconsciously integrate with Jesus, right? It, you know, we can act all day like we're, we've forgotten. Oh, I'm just not going to think about my past. I'm not going to think about the things that have happened to me, the trauma that I've experienced in the past, or the, the, the identity that was programmed into me through my life experiences. But the truth is, who you are in your mind today, the identity that you're living out on a regular basis for most of us is coming out of subconscious programming. It's coming out of living a whole life where we have identified with 
our natural origin and the, the, the things that we have gone through in life. And so forgetting is the act of mind renewal, guys. And this is something that the Holy Spirit has to help us do, right? This is the process of taking every thought captive to Christ. And thoughts are not just conscious things. They are subconscious things. Belief is not stored at a conscious level. Belief is stored at a subconscious level. And it is who we believe that we are subconsciously, frankly, that is our problem. Because most of us live on a normal day-to-day basis without an awareness, without a moment-by-moment awareness of our true identity in Christ. We're not walking around, typically, most of us, with a subconsciously programmed identity of being a resurrected being of, as I said it in, in, in past episodes, where you've got Revelation 1 Jesus, who I call scary Jesus, living inside of you. Where you look in the mirror and you don't see yourself in the natural, but you see Jesus's eyes of fire staring back to in, in your reflection that you relate to yourself. And, and honestly, you have forgotten yourself apart from Christ. It is the crucifixion of our old identity in our minds, right? We need to crucify our old identity. We've been crucified with Christ, but have we really? And the process of mind renewal is forgetting. It is coming into agreement at a subconscious level with who we are in Christ. When it counts in the moment, when there is a crisis, when there is something that requires Jesus on the scene. And instead of panicking, instead of going into, you know, warfare prayers, we show up in that moment as Jesus Christ. And that is the process of mind renewal. And that is the process of forgetting what lies behind. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard believers say, well, I'm just going to, you know, the word of God says just to forget about it, just to forget about it. But that's not the way it works. You guys, we are triggered. We are triggered and we think we have forgotten, but we're operating out of old mindsets every single day. You know, just yesterday in my Emerge coaching, we were talking about, uh, I was talking with one of our students about how her family is not really in agreement with her level of spirituality and how she operates in the spirit. And truthfully, there was a situation going on in that situation that I really helped her unpack. I said, the reason, you know, why this is such a problem for them is because somewhere along the line, they have believed something about Jesus, something about spiritual life. And it's really not about you. Your your spirituality is triggering your family. And they aren't even rejecting you. They're rejecting something based upon their own own beliefs, either conscious beliefs or subconscious beliefs. And I said the other problem in this scenario is that their rejection of that is triggering you in the sense that it's bringing up past rejection. And whether we realize it or not, guys, every day we are walking through life and current situations, current current, um, experiences that we're having, circumstances, are triggering what we actually believe. And, you know, what is so, I I use this example sometimes. I, I, you know, I say when Jesus was in the storm, he was sleeping in the boat and his disciples were in the exact same situation. And here they are freaking out, believing they're going to die, accusing Jesus of not caring. And it was the exact same situation, but the response, and I want to say that, you know, what the behavior that showed up was based upon two very different belief systems. Jesus was resting in the storm, not worried about the storm. I mean, heck, knew he had authority over the storm. He was he was operating out of his sonship, out of his identity of being one with the Father. But the disciples were operating out of out of a mere human identity. And that idea that you walk through life and are controlled by your programming and show up based upon your program and respond based upon an identity that you truly believe subconsciously is just the truth. So you saying, oh, I'm just going to forget the things that lie behind. I'm not going to think about the things that lie behind. Well, you can't do that because your subconscious mind is running the show. It's running about 80 to 90 percent of your decisions and your responses and your um, truthfully, the identity that you're living out every single day. 
And mind renewal is more than just mentally agreeing with the truth. It is subconsciously agreeing with the truth. And this is why this was a, he says here, that this was his um, one aspiration. His one aspiration was to forget the things that lie behind and strain forward to the things that lie ahead. The Apostle Paul was in the business of mind renewal. He was in the business of getting revelation from the Holy Spirit that transformed him and transformed the way that he thought. If you read the book of Galatians, you'll see that that, that his gospel, the gospel that the Apostle Paul preached, maybe I'll go there really quick that he did not receive this revelation from any man. He did not receive um, the revelation of him being a new creation, of having a new identity. He did not get that from a man. He got it through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And here's what he says. Um, uh, let's see. In verse 11, in Galatians 1 says, Beloved ones, let me repeat em emphatically, that the gospel entrusted to me was not given to me by any man. No one taught me this revelation, for it was given to me directly by the unveiling of Jesus Christ. He says, by now you have heard stories of how I severely harassed and persecuted Christians and how I systematically and how systematically I endeavored to destroy God's church all because of my radical devotion to the Jewish religion. Okay, this is tying right into Philippians in the first part of that chapter. He is saying, I was living out of this identity. I was radically devoted to who I was as a Pharisee. That identity was driving me. It was controlling me. It was everything that I operated out of. In verse 14, it says, my zeal, and passion for the doctrines of Judaism distinguished me among my people, meaning it promoted him. It put him in a position of leadership. And it says, for I was far more advanced in my religious instruction than others my age. He was brilliant. He was excelling at being a Pharisee. But in verse 15, it says, but then God called me by his grace and chose me from my birth to be his. It says he was pleased to unveil his son in me. He was pleased to unveil his son in me. And this is the process of forgetting what lies behind. The Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit become unveiled to you. And even while you're listening to me, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. Revelation is the key. It is revelation that renews our mind. It is an experience with the truth. It is truthfully a Gnosko experience. It is an experience, experience with the truth, an intimate knowing with the truth. That's why Jesus said the truth that you know will set you free. Again, that word Gnosko. And Gnosko is an experience. It's an intimate experience. And as we intimately experience the truth, Jesus is unveiled within us. Remember, the Holy Spirit gave me a project to, to meditate on Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1, uh, 27, for a whole year. Why? Because hearing it was not enough. Meditation was where it was at. And it was through that meditation of, of, of going into that one scripture every day. I mean, I thought, how boring. How can I, how can I go into one scripture every day for a whole year? Oh my goodness. And most of us guys, most of us are going from sermon to sermon, from thing to thing, from teaching to teaching, never actually having gotten this, the unveiling of Jesus within us. And that's exactly what happened for me in that year. The Holy Spirit began to teach me, teach me Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you recognize it, Shalice? Well, no, because I was operating out of a carnal belief of who I was. I did not have enlightened eyes. I didn't even know that was such a thing. I didn't know how to use my imagination to experience spiritual truth. And I thought all those experiences were imaginary, even if I did. I did not recognize that the eyes of my understanding were my imagination. And an enlightened imagination is how we see in the spirit. It's how the Holy Spirit can, he can overlay something over our natural vision. And as I began to operate in that and the Holy Spirit began to 
revealed Jesus within me, scary Jesus, revelation, when we had conversations about that scripture and it began to be real for me. And I talked about this in other podcasts where the material realm started to respond. I started to operate like Jesus was actually alive in me. And I mean, demons would manifest in my presence, just like they did when you read the gospel. All of a sudden, people would start acting out. Crazy things would start to happen because Jesus was walking around inside of me in a chalice suit. Now, he had always been walking around in me. I had been a believer before I meditated on this stuff. So what shifted? What in the world shifted that made it come alive to me? Revelation made it come alive to me. It was touching my subconscious. It was getting down inside of me. It was impacting programming that had been in my heart and been in my mind my entire life. Because see, our subconscious is just like a tape player. It's data in, behavior out. <laughs> data, data in, belief stored. It is neutral. And what we program it with controls us guys. And this is why in the Apostle Paul talks about that he, he spent some time in this, right? If I keep reading, it says that he was pleased to unveil his son in me so that I would proclaim him to the peoples of the world. And after I had this encounter, I kept it a secret for some time, sharing it with no one. Okay, I'm reading in the Passion Translation, but I love the fact that he calls this an encounter. That um, when God unveiled his son in Paul, it was an encounter. And beloved, encounters are what transform us. Encounters are what transform us. Encounters with the truth. Encounters with ourselves. When we see Jesus, when we get a revelation of Jesus, we get a revelation of ourselves. When we get, when we are taught by the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, it impacts us. Why? Because our subconsciouses were programmed with experiences to begin with. That's what caused us to believe what we believe right now. We had an experience and the experience in the natural taught us something. We, through our life experiences, we have been taught to believe things, believe things about ourselves, believe things about the way things work, believe things about everything, about ourselves, about money, about marriage, about education, about work, about everything. And revelation and encounters is what undoes this, okay? This is why in our rapid mind renewal sessions that we do with our students and with anyone that wants to do one, we lead you into an encounter. And guess where we go? We go back to the very place that you believed a lie about yourself, right? Every single week, we are seeing people radically shifted as the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father show up in places where they have been traumatized, in places where they have believed things as a result of trauma. And they have been operating their whole life out of an identity of rejection or fearfulness or the fear of man or all kinds of, of ways of being, a shyness, um, not believing that they're public speakers when God's called them to speak. I mean, all kinds of false ideas about who they are because of the encounters that they've had with other human beings, the encounters that they've had over the course of their lifetime. And frankly, that is the work that we do in Emerge. We undo that identity so that you can not only know who you are, but you can experience who you are because who you are in Christ is who your purpose is for. Your purpose requires that you operate out of union with God. And if you have the wrong identity, you will never be able to fulfill your destiny. And this is the work that happened in the life of the Apostle Paul. Notice that when he got this revelation, he says he shared it with no one. He said, and I had no desire to run to Jerusalem and try to impress those who had become apostles before me. Instead, he withdrew. He withdrew to the Arabian desert and he returned. And then he returned to Damascus where he had first encountered Jesus. Okay, so he went to Arabia. Then remember, on the road to Damascus, he had another encounter with Jesus on the road that radically shifted him. It shifted him out of his uh, uh, Judaism. It, it, and revealed Jesus Christ to him and it proclaimed his destiny, but it proclaimed it to an identity that was never going to fulfill it. Paul, the Judaizer, the, the Jewish uh, Hebrew of Hebrews was never going to be able to fulfill his destiny. It had to be lost. It had those who lose their life, find their life. It had to be counted as, as trash 
Paul had to come out of that natural association with who he is. And it says that he remained in Damascus for three years. Then he met the apostle Paul and then he met Jacob. He says, um, and then he says, um, there's one part in here that it says for 14 years. Let me look here. Um, in verse uh, Galatians chapter two, it says 14 years later, I returned to Jerusalem. So for 14 years, guys, he was, he was sitting on this. Okay. I'm not saying that it takes 14 years. I'm not saying anything except that it needs to be our own personal revelation. And my hope in doing these, these, uh, these episodes and, and doing this is that you will recognize the importance of encounters, of meditation, of revelation. And stop running from thing to thing to thing. I mean, the Lord has really been speaking to me about, Shalice, you've got to slow your roll. You've got to slow it down, sister. And I'll tell you, when you are a leader, when you are leading a ministry, when you are leading uh, things that like I'm leading and you're called to preach, you're called to have influence, it is easy to be busy. It is easy to go and run, 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 because there's always something to do. And that's not just me. That's all of us. We have a to-do list a mile long, most of us. But is that what where fruit really comes from? Does fruit come from checking off a task list or does it come from a revelation of who we are in Christ and a revelation of what it means to abide in that identity, to show up in that identity and let the fruit of the Holy Spirit be produced through our life and let the Father work through us to fulfill our destinies. Beloved, you know it's the second and that is the process and that is the the journey that the Apostle Paul was on, it was to know him. It was to experience him. It was to encounter him. It was to have encounters with Jesus and encounters with the revelation and the unveiling of Christ in him. It was this journey, this revelatory journey for him to understand what does this mean for Christ to be revealed in me, to be unveiled in me. And who is this Jesus, this resurrected King of glory? And what does that mean for the way that I live and the way that I show up and the way that I apostle. And this was his one aspiration to forget his identity, to forget who he was, his Jewish roots, forget, you know, Jesus did not, uh, did not identify as I'm the son of Joseph and Mary. He was the son of God and he identified fully with it. The father and I are one over and over and over again. In John 14, he tells his disciples and in that day, you will know that, that we are one. In John 17, this is my prayer that you will be one in me as I'm in you and you in me and the Father's in me. This union, this revelation of our new identity of our, our is the is the power of salvation. It is the power of victory in our lives. It is the power of salvation over sin, over over demonic oppression, over any circumstance. Jesus is the victory over any circumstances. It causes us to rise above the circumstances of life and live from Jesus's victory, where we are seated in heavenly places, ruling and reigning with him. Praise God. Okay. And so verse 15, and I'm going to go back to Philippians now. It says, verse 15, it says, so let those of us who are spiritually mature, and full grown have this mind, have this same aspiration, have this same determined purpose, have this same uh, desire to gnosco, to know, to encounter the truth, to have Jesus unveiled within us. And let's hold these convictions. And it says, and in any respect, you have a different attitude of mind. God will make it clear to you also. And that's what's happening right here today. So, it, you know, the, the, the goal is revelation, guys. The goal is an encounter. The goal is an experience. That's why we do Christian activities. We read the word for revelation. We read the Bible, the scriptures to encounter God, to know God, for Jesus Christ to be unveiled within us in through the scriptures. Revelation is what transforms us. And there is a spirit of revelation. His name, he is the Holy Spirit. And revelation is everything, right? This is why the Pharisees, it says, you know, search the scriptures, thinking that they would find eternal life in them. But they refused to come to Jesus. They ref and, that, and the scriptures revealed Jesus, right? That's in John chapter 5. Let's find that. I mean, that's the problem with Christian activity without revelation. That's the problem when we're too busy, when we're too busy to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit, to know him and the power of his resurrection, right? 
Um, here's what it says in verse 39. This is the Passion Translation. In John 5, it says, You are busy analyzing scriptures, pouring over them, hoping to gain eternal life. He says, Everything you read points to me, yet you still refuse to come to me so that I can give you the life that you're looking for, eternal life. And listen to Jesus. He says, I do not accept the honor that comes from men, for I know the kind of people you really are. And I can see that the love of God has found no home in you. You know, guys, when I look out over a Christian world right now and I read comments all over social media, over news media by Christians, it is obvious that the love of God has found no home in them. It is obvious that they're operating out of judgment, out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because they have not had a true encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus has yet to be unveiled in them. Because if that was the case, they would have no opinion except the Father's opinion. Because Jesus did not operate out of human opinion, out of his own judgment. In John 5.30, above this, let's read this. Um, we can read it in the Passion Translation. You know, I like to read it in the voice. But here's what he says. Nothing I do is from my own initiative. As I hear, the judgment is passed by the Father. And I execute those judgments. And my judgments will be perfect because I only seek to fulfill the desires of my Father. If I were to make claims about myself, you would have reasons to doubt. But there is another who bears witness on my behalf and know, and I know what he testifies me is true. And I want to say this about you, that the claims that you make about yourself are not your own. The Holy Spirit is revealing Christ in you. It says in, uh, further on in, in John that the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness, meaning he says you are guilty of being righteous. You are in Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit who bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God who live in union with Jesus. There is a witness of the Holy Spirit that we are, that testifies that we are the sons of God, that we are true children, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. And that is the Holy Spirit's whole role in our lives. He manifests Jesus. He manifests Jesus to us so that Jesus can be re revealed to us so that we can be, so that, I'm sorry, let me say that again. He, he manifests Jesus to us so that Jesus can be revealed to us so that Jesus can be unveiled within us. Okay, this is the Holy Spirit's role. This is what he's doing in the planet today. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is happening today all over the place. And he is the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. And you have him. You are his temple. And he is your teacher. And it is time, body. It is time, beloved, for all of us to slow our role and to get off of our human identities, to get off our human to-do list and get on the Father's agenda. That means that we must hear him. That means that we must have activated spiritual senses. That means that we must live and show up as spiritually mature believers who have the same mind that was in Paul, whose determined purpose is to know him and the power of his resurrection. I know I'm talking strong today, but this is a strong word because it's meat. And this is who you are. This is who you are. And, you know, any any other message that you hear that does not preach Christ in you is a false gospel. If the emphasis is, is what is what on you have to do, if it is on external uh sacraments, if it is on activities, prayer, Bible study, uh, all of these things, you know, uh, that you're doing, guys, this is an instantaneous truth. <laughs> you are in Christ. It is true right this minute, whether you are aware of it or not, whether you are thinking about it or not. But here's the truth. It will only manifest to the extent that you believe it. And believing is not a mental activity. It is a heart activity. It is a subconscious activity. And it takes some time. It takes uh, some partnership with the Holy Spirit for uh, Christ to be unveiled in us. And if it requires a year of us meditating on Christ and you, the hope of glory, well, so be it. And the Holy Spirit has a recipe. He has a plan. He has an agenda. And we need to get on it. And if that means slow in our role, I mean, I'm actually going to be um, going away for the next couple of days to spend some time with the Father. Is it a great time in the natural? No, it's never a good time in the natural. I have a family. I have a business. I have a ministry. I have students. I have demands. I have blah, blah. I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, my to-do list is pages long. 
But you know what? One thing is needful. One thing. Jesus is our source. We are a branch, guys. We were never designed to live independent from our source. We are a vessel. We are a temple. We are containers of God's kingdom. We are containers of God's righteousness, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his joy, his patience, his power. We are vessels. We are channels for Jesus. We are ultimately the body of the king. And it is so imperative that we grasp and lay hold of the very thing that Jesus grasped and laid hold of us for. This is where life is found. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. It's found in intimate communion, intimate relationship with Jesus. And you know what? The world can wait. The world can wait when you are with the Father. Jesus got away to pray. He got away because he had to live out of his connection with the Father. You know, there's a scripture that I, I put in my book. I talk about it all the time. And I'm going to wrap up today with it. It's in the message translation. It's in Matthew um, chapter 11 and verse 20, uh, 27 and 28. And I'm just going to go there because this is such a be- it paints such a beautiful picture of the way that Jesus lived. And it really was the apostles desire, goal, purpose, aspiration, his singular uh, pursuit to live the same way. And it is got to become ours as well. And here's what Jesus says in verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 27 in the message. It says, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. He says, the father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. The spirit of revelation is there waiting for anyone. It's standing by. That's one of the words, names of the Holy Spirit, the standby, standing by for anyone that is willing to listen. And guys, you can put your name in these scriptures. We can all say the father has given me all these things to do and say, this is unique father, son operation. Yes, I'm a woman. Yes, I'm female, but I'm still a son because I'm in Christ. And just like guys are bride, the bride, right? We are in Christ. It says coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows. You can say this. No one knows Shalise the way the father does. And no one will know the father the way Shalise does. These are unique, intimate experiences and encounters and revelations. God knows how to reveal himself to us uniquely based upon our past, based upon the way that we think, based upon how he created us to process and 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 understand. He, he knows how to shine the light on what we need to recognize, what we need to become aware of. And he knows how to transform us by the renewing of our mind. He knows how to lead us into the truth that sets us free. The Holy Spirit is where it's at, guys. And I can tell you, after having an intimate relationship with with 20 years, I am unrecognizable from where I started. And that is not a condemnation on where I started. Although some people will say, you know, thank God, Shalise, that you've changed. Well, you know what? Hey, look in the mirror. (laughs) Guess what? There's There's a big old log in your own eye. And we all need the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. The goal is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the transfigurer. He is the one that transforms us. He is the one that renews our mind. And it takes a determined purpose for that to happen. It takes an investment in our time. It takes an investment in this relationship, in developing intimacy, gnosko knowledge, intimate encounters and experiences with Jesus. And so, beloved, I, you know, if it's time to slow your roll, slow your roll. And if it's time to get an agenda from Jesus about how you should be spending your time and getting into the scripture, not just by, oh, you know, religious duty, but through the uh, intent of knowing him and stepping into all that he's done for you and seeing Jesus Christ unveiled within you because the same Jesus that lived in the apostle Paul lives inside of you. You can say that for anyone that has accomplished incredible things through the power of God. 
You could say that about Smith Wigglesworth. You could say that about Catherine Coleman. You could say that today about Heidi Baker. You could say this about any saint that has gone before us. The power is in the Holy Spirit. The power is in Christ. The power is operating out of that place of oneness with him. So the sooner we uh, commit and the sooner we step into a life of revelation and a lifestyle of encounters, personal encounters, then the sooner we will see that type of transformation in our own life. We are equipped to hear God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is within us. We are equipped to see God. Why? Because Jesus came to restore sight to the blind. Now, you know, getting training on that, understanding how that works is wise. Uh, because a large majority of the body of Christ isn't hearing from God and isn't operating out of spiritual vision today because it's not taught in most of our churches. Many of our leaders are not operating in that. Most of us are taught, read your Bible. That's how God reveals yourself to, to reveals himself to you, which is totally true if you have the revelation, but it's more than that, God. There, I mean, sorry, it's more than that, beloved. You know what? The Holy Spirit is, is talking today. He's giving rhema instructions. He's leading us. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, not those that can recite scripture, not those that can live off of logos, but those that can live according to the word of the Lord. You know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father and the Holy Spirit is still speaking. You know what? Jesus is the word and he is alive and he is the voice and he is still speaking. So beloved, do what you need to do. Partner with the Holy Spirit and make this revelation your own. You know, if you have not scheduled a breakthrough call with me and my team to do a, uh, you know, a, a deep dive into to where you are in this transfiguration process and to see if there's a role that we have to help you, uh, then that's the next step. Jump in, do a breakthrough call. We can chat with you about the work that we do to help transfigure the body of Christ. I mean, that is the mission of my life is to see Jesus Christ unveiled within you. The unveiling of Jesus, that is my vision. The unveiling of Jesus, and it isn't about the second coming. It's about you, about him coming out in you. It's about his coming through you. It's about you stepping into the fullness of who you are in Christ, experiencing it, and you watching Jesus be unveiled through revelation and watch how it transforms not only your life, but everything in your life. It revolutionizes your family. It revolutionizes your work. It revolutionizes anything that you touch because Jesus is Lord over all. So God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day, wonderful week, and we will chat again soon here on the next episode. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training, where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.